Yo, 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 how we doing, people? Wednesday afternoon. It's the 8th of February. Uh, how you, what's going on, people? Welcome to the solo show. You sexy little YouTube and Apple Podcasty and Spotify bastards. Um, it's episode 150 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments, the twice weekly show that brings you a, um, a prescription overdose. A deadly cocktail of sarcasm and snark slopped on the side of the main course of political disillusionment. How's that for a fucking intro? Uh, I'm your host, A. Thompson, uh, or at least the aftermath thereof, and this is the Wednesday Solo Show. Cheers! Uh, pull up a pew, pour yourself a G&T, crack open a craft ale. Let's begin. Uh, regular listeners... Well, viewers will know that I do, um, you know, I do a Friday night thing with a guest and, you know, we have a couple of beers and we put the world to rights by exploring its um, its many wrongs. Uh, but then midweek, I, I do this shit. I sit here, I rant, rave and roast and you guys, for some reason, possibly an unhappy childhood, possibly an unmedicated psychological issue but for for some reason you guys sit there and listen to it um and i love you for it uh shout outs to the patreon backers how's it going guys i'm looking forward to meeting those of you that i've not yet met the last meetup uh meeting some of you at the soho show on uh, friday night um it's gonna be good fun that's me super tansky danny fucking price this coming Friday, the 10th of February. It is sold out, I'm sorry to say. If anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh, fuck, that sounds good. I'm in London. I'll go and check it out. Unfortunately, this one is uh, maxed out now, but there will be more. Um, also, it sounds like it sounds like the lineup may have changed very, very slightly. Like, I've heard the last 24 hours that Jolion Rubenstein has COVID. So that sucks. Um, I mean, you know, for us. <laughs> Because he's like, he's like the BAFTA winning star of the show, pretty much, you know? I mean, it's also bad for him. I mean, no one wants to get COVID, do they? And long COVID sounds like it has, you know, the potential to leave you more susceptible to, you know, brain tumours and heart problems and everything. But, you know, still, his diagnosis is mostly bad for us. It's mostly bad for me. Like I was I was looking forward to, you know, to meeting him and, and bathing in his prestige and legitimacy, you know, becoming respectable and legitimate by proxy. But it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to make it. So, you know, that sucks. Um, but I hope he gets better soon, uh, ideally in time for the next one. Um I mean, it is sad. Like, I am genuinely, I'm really gutted that he can't make it. It's pro probably the saddest part of the pandemic so far, I think. You know, it's probably the worst thing that has happened throughout COVID. When this is all over and they have a COVID Remembrance Day or whatever, you know, to think of the 200,000 people that Boris Johnson killed. When they have a Remembrance Day for COVID, there's going to be a special seven minute silence for that time, the integrity of our little comedy night took a momentary hit because because our friend Jollyon had to self-isolate that week. That is the biggest tragedy of the entire pandemic. Anyway, what's what's going on, people? What's what's happening out there today? Let's um let's muse over the news, as it were. Um so the Daily Mail caught my eye this morning. Um I don't know if you've seen the front page of it. It's fucking hilarious. It's like, like the Daily Mail are clutching their pearls. Can't say that properly. Pearls. Why can't I? Per the Daily Mail are clutching their pearls about like that someone somewhere might think or want God 
to not be male anymore. Like, that is their whole thing today. They're, they're frantic. They're having some sort of bipolar meltdown that somebody somewhere has said, what if we took the gendered words out of, you know, sermons and psalms and parables, you know? And the Daily Mail are just publicly soiling themselves about it. Front page about this. I mean, fuck your gran, fuck their readers. <laughs> their readers are like between the ages of 70 and 85, right? I think I've said this before in other episodes, but like when you see someone with a rolled up copy of the mail buying it in Tesco, how old is that person typically? They're usually in their 70s, aren't they? It's a white, grey-haired old bastard with the Daily Mail rolled up and a bottle of gin in the other. You know, paying for it at the kiosk for some reason. Like they're fucking allergic to the technology of the conveyor belts or the self-scan. You know, you could just get that at the self-scan. No, 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 no. I, I, I just prefer to go over to the kiosk. Thank you. That sort of vibe. That that person is always in their self. What do you mean you don't take checks? I bought my check. I, I only pay with checks. Nobody's taken checks for fucking 15 years, you old bastard. What the fuck are you talking about? That sort of person, right? Yes, I'm being a bit ageist. No, I don't care. The readers of the Daily Mail are between the ages of 70 and 85, say. And yet, they are the brokest people in the country. They're living off a state pension. No money to spare or very little. Because when they were working... You know, in the modern, I say modern world, when they were active in the working world, you know, private corporate pensions weren't the thing that they are today. That all came in in like the, I think the 90s and the noughties. Gordon Brown, I seem to remember, pushed the responsibility of looking after our oldies onto the private sector. That was a big thing. It's like, we're not going to be able to afford um, to feed you old crinklies and crumblies and wrinkly like you, you just basically when you work for a company now that company i'm going to mandate it that basically they have to put in you put in some and then they match it and maybe if you're really lucky if it's a big company and they're super solid and they don't gamble away the fucking pension fund maybe there'll be some money left over when you retire to keep things ticking up but these guys now the 70 year olds and the 80 year olds they, they were working and not paying into a pension in a period, like, so now they're broke. There's not that much money going around. I know this because my mum is on a private pension and my stepdad is not on a private pension and it both both of them work out about the same. Like, if you, if you saved a lot of money, if you put loads of money into your pension, you're actually, like, it's to your detriment because then it's, like, balanced out. They're like, well, you can't have this figure as part of your state pension because you've already got a private pension that may... It's like, well, what was the point of me fucking saving and sacrificing my salary every month if if I had just not done that, you would have given me the same amount? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway, this is really a long-winded way of me saying, you know, the male, I would have thought, would have a responsibility, if not ethically, then at least financially, to maybe help their readers to stop dying? From, you know, the cost of living crisis, because these these old motherfuckers are broke. There's been, you know, I, I don't have to go too far back to find news stories of what was that one that came out last week? It was an older lady. I think she was in her 70s or 80s. And she went to her GP. And I think she had contracted pneumonia. And the GP asked about her home environment and keeping warm and, and all that stuff. And she made a point of saying to the doctor, I can't put on my heating because I'm just scared of what the bill would be, right? Her bills have doubled. Even with this fucking like energy price guarantee injection that goes into your account every month or every six weeks. Even with that, she was like, I can't fucking afford to, to put the central heating on. She caught pneumonia. She fucking died, man. And like, I don't want to cast aspersions or generalize or anything. But would it surprise you if this individual was a male reader? So it's kind of like, isn't there a financial incentive on the male <laughs> to keep that person alive so they can keep coming down to Tesco to keep buying the Daily Mail, right? You would think. 
But evidently not. You know, these are the concerns of the older generations. These are the, the lived realities of our mums and dads and grandfathers and grandpas and, and all the rest of it. And you would think maybe you'd go like, we got to keep them warm. we got to look after these people. Like, but no, what's on the front page of the fucking Daily Mail? It's like, now God is going gender neutral. Like, who gives a shit? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You people are journalists. And <laughs> this is like, I did a TikTok on this this morning. It's like, it is, it, it's just outrageous that we have so many like real shit problems in this country from the cost of living crisis to the teaching recruitment crisis to train strikes to nurses to paramedics all of whom are also on strike uh what else have we got mortgages ballooning people's mortgage payments are doubling to the point where it is now a whole other job that they need to find the income of you like you could have gone from 900 pounds a month to 2000 pounds a month how are you supposed to find that extra money somebody's got to go out and get a second job which means their kids are going to see them. Like, we've got so many fucking problems in this country that impact at least a whole chunk of male readers. And yet the Daily Mail is like, Som somebody wants to take he and him out of Bible readings. Like, it's, what? like have we run out of, you know, proms and poppies and EU flags versus the British flag. You know, all of that culture war stuff. Have we really, like, run out the mileage, mileage on it so much that all that is left at this point is arguing over whether a made-up ghosty beard man in the sky has a penis or not? Is that where we're at? That is the quality and the level and the integrity of the British political discourse insofar as the Daily Mail is capable of managing it. I mean, it's pretty funny to me. Like, it's like, I don't know what percentage of my listeners and viewers are religious. Um, I suspect not many. I suspect the majority of you are, um, uh, well, male, first of all. Um, but secondly, but, you know, probably aged between 30 and 55. In fact, do you know what? Like, full disclosure, hands up. Like, I know all of this because the data Spotify and YouTube and, and everybody give to me says that you, you're basically all of you are male and between those ages, right? But also, I strongly suspect that you're not actually that goddy. You know? Like, it's difficult to imagine you listen to a podcast that, you know, what... Um, habitually makes fun of politicians and call, calls them livestock fuckers and <laughs> and trivializes the you know the obvious cognitive challenges that people like Nadine Dorries are surviving struggling with every day you know it's hard to imagine you sitting through that shit laughing and drinking a beer with me and then you clock out and go yeah do you know what i i should get going or i'm going to miss father dermot's sunday sermon you know like it's those two things I can't imagine really going hand in hand. Like you can be religious and mock the government. You know, I'm sure that's that obviously that's possible. I mean, James O'Brien, I think, is um, is quite religious, as I understand it. But I don't know if you can be, you know, religious and talk about the stuff that I talk about, you know, <laughs> Like, I don't know if you could be religious and listen to the stuff that I talk about. Like, part, partly because I'm disgusting and, you know, I'm gross a lot of the time, right? But probably also a little bit because, you know, I say some foul stuff from time to time that probably leaves formerly religious people whispering, like, there is no God. You know, like, anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm not that bad. Maybe I'm not that bad, you know? Like, a lot of, slight tangent here, but a lot of comedians back in the day when i used to do stand-up a lot of comedians would do do their sets right in the open mic world they would do sets where they would sort of self-reference themselves in in the material right like as, as though they were offensive but it was like before they had even said a joke you know a lot of the times let alone you know a dark joke that would warrant such a reference to 
that. You know, do you understand? Like, like before they'd even mocked anything that was a bit taboo. You know, I I remember then I would hear them referencing themselves as though they were super, super dark and, you know, really treading the line, you know. And it would leave me thinking like, you know, come on, like, bro, I, I don't know if you can make light of, you know, of you being too offensive before you've even said anything that dark or offensive. You know, like, it, it, I don't think it works if you do that. You need to earn those stripes before you're qualified for the follow-up self-referencing thing. Like, but, you know, seriously, I mean, we all know how dark I am, right? Like that kind of stuff, right? So I don't know. My point is maybe I should shut the fuck up. Like, like most of the episodes of this podcast, you know, are probably actually quite tame thinking about it. Like a lot of you listening might be thinking, yeah, like, ch- you know, chill out, Aid. You know, you're not, you're not that, like, you called Lee Anderson a dog fucker on Twitter yesterday, but it's not, you know, that's hardly, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning shade that you're throwing, you know, all right? And like, sometimes I, I did warn you I was going off on a tangent here, right? Sometimes I also think like, yeah, I'm not that bad. Not that, you know, I mean, I admire you know, what could be construed as offensive comedians sometimes. You know, your Frankie Boyles, your Doug Stanhopes, Bill Hicks, uh, a lot of Louis C.K.'s earlier stuff before he started jerking off in front of people in hotel rooms that he blocked the door off. You know, it wasn't so keen on that on his <laughs> on his later output, for want of a better word. But, you know, like that, that breed of comedian I've always admired and, and looked up to. But sometimes I think, you know, I'm not really that... I'm not, I wouldn't put myself up in that category. Maybe I'm not that bad. Maybe I'm actually quite tame. But then, as soon as I start thinking that, right, no shit, right, this morning, <laughs> this morning, I, I did this very morning, like, I did a, this TikTok about the Daily Mail and about God and shit and some commenter who normally, like, he, he's quite active on my comment section normally i sort of agreeably disagree with this guy to borrow alistair campbell's phrase right normally he and i you know we might go a bit tit for tat but normally we find a way of civilly arguing you know but remaining okay but this morning i do this tiktok about god the daily man and this guy goes this is vile (laughs) this is disgusting would you talk this way about other religions, Aid? Aid? Like, would you? Would you? No, you wouldn't. You fucking coward. This is gross, Aid. Like, it was so full on. Like, whoa, I broke it. Finally. And so, <coughs> excuse me. Like, when I get shit like that, and oh, and then he blocks me, by the way. Um, when I get that kind of stuff, I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I guess I am a bit dark then, you know? <laughs> maybe I'm, Maybe I'm not that tame after all for some people's right-wing and centre-right sensibilities. And you know what's funny, man, like, it's like, that's not okay, right? That, TikTok that I did, that is vile. Me talking about God, mocking God, mocking, like, mocking people's expectations that God is a man. Like, that is vile and gross. But, what else are right-wingers okay with that is therefore not vile or gross? You know, like, you know, dead toddlers on a beach. You know, or um, the thing, uh, like, a couple of weeks ago, two, 200 children went missing from asylum seeker hotels. Or, you know, single mothers not getting the right support, and so then their kids need... Uh, help with school meals, and but we just refuse. You know, starving children. You, you, uh, universal credit claimants being docked an extra £10 that they can't afford. Like, you know, is any of this vile? Is any of this gross? Or old ladies freezing to death because they can't afford a heating anymore. How about that? Is that vile? Or like, where, I'm, I'm confused. Somebody show me the gauge of where is vile and where is gross. When does something stop being vile and gross? Like, there's so much shit going on out there. And yet this is the thing that's too much. (laughs) This pushed them over the edge. 
Like, I don't even think what I said was that bad. Do you ever get that? Like, where you you say something and it doesn't land right at all. Like, it aff- it visibly offends the person that you're talking to or upsets them or, you know, just catches them the wrong way or, you've, you know, you've, your tone was wrong or you used the wrong word. And it obviously has upset someone, right? But there's a part of you that goes like, you're upset with that bit? Like, I, I mean, I've said way worse. Like, you, you know, I don't think this TikTok was that bad. Like, I've I've definitely said worse. I've definitely uploaded worse content <laughs> than that. Like, all I said, for the benefit of, you know, people who just uh, tune in to the, uh, to the podcast and who don't follow me on TikTok or, you know, YouTube, where I also upload this stuff. Um... All I've all I fucking said was that I thought it was weird that we even consider whether God has a dick or not. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird. <laughs> it's like, like, I know we think of him as him, right? We think of a bearded, ghosty guy in the sky. I know, like, but, you know, by appearances, he is male. I get that. But like to actually consider whether he's got a dick to get so irate about the definition of it to me is just weird you know like yeah we, we you know we 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 want to be a bit more modern that's what we we want to be a bit more a bit less gender norm bishop grand bishop british great bishop or like whatever the fuck they're called like the head of the church of england or whatever you know we want to be a bit more modern, a bit less gender typical and, you know, and I know it's it's hard to let go of, you know, thinking about priests and bishops and gods in sexual ways. I know it's difficult. It's really, really hard to get the idea of God's dick out of your head. But just try. You just have to try so that we can be modern. Just try not thinking about God's dick. Just, you know. It's basically that. It's like, anyway. So look, I, I made this video along those lines, and and then I I think I ended the video making a joke about how, uh, and <laughs> this was this is my favorite bit was, I was joking about how Christianity is just desperate to find a way to connect with the young that isn't plying choir boys with wine and butt fucking them in the confession box. Like it's just like it's coming from a good place. It's, it's like, look, we need to connect with the youth and, you know, we've got to adopt some of their social justice stances and ideas and initiatives and stuff. And, and I know it seems strange, but really all of this is coming from the fact that we want to connect with them in a way that is not child rape. That's where this is. So can you can you meet us halfway, please, Daily Mail? Can you find a way to support us with this latest initiative, which ultimately is us trying not to fuck children? Like that is, I don't know. So it wasn't perfect. I know it, it was a little bit vile. But it is, do you know what? It's it's a little bit like, um, you know, what is actually so vile about that? You know, is it me that's saying it? Is that what's vile? Or is it the thing? Um, is it the thing that actually happened? Like, maybe that's the vile thing. Like, how about that? You know, like priests, priests have done that. I know you don't like me saying it or joking about it, but which is worse? You know, priests have done that shit. Bishops have done that. Just gone empty, balls, crazy. Getting children drunk, leading them off into secluded places and fucking them. That has 100% happened. So what is worse? You know, (laughs) which one of those is worse? Like me, me talking about it. And mocking the institutions that allowed it to happen, like literally let it happen. Or the actual perpetrators, you know, many of whom were just transferred to other churches, you know, like, oh, fucking hell, you know, Amen. Have you been, did you, did you, oh, you did, you did, oh, you motherfucker, like now I'm going to have to send you off to Woking, like, you know, like they never even spent an hour in custody for it (laughs) like which which is worse 
out of those two things. Where should you be directing your angry comments? To my TikTok? Just a fucking idiot from the home counties is making TikToks to pass the time because his social life has just completely dissipated since he became a father. And and now TikTok is his outlet. Do you, do you really want to waste your time putting comments on that shit? Or maybe you should be writing angry letters to the church. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. But... Anyway, speaking of kid fucking, Leonardo DiCaprio, (laughs) hell of a segue. A quick shout out, actually, to the people joining me on the YouTube live stream on the chat. Potato Cabbage, always love seeing your name pop up. Uh, S. Linsky, hey there, how's it going? Uh, The Scarlet Bandit is also joining me. Um, What's up to you all? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's let's talk about him for a minute. He's getting a lot of shit in the tabloid press and on Twitter because his latest girlfriend is 19. <laughs> She's a literal teenager. Leonardo DiCaprio is how old is he? Is he like mid 40s? I mean, I'm 42. And the beach came out in '99, and I think he was about 22 then. I think I think he's about he's maybe he's two years older than me, so he's about I'd say mid 40s, right? In fact, you know what? Like live TV and all that. Let's just let's let's quickly Google him, right? Leonardo DiCaprio. How old is he? 48. Okay, so he this is even worse. Good. Um. He's 48 years old, and his girlfriend, her name is uh, Eden Polani, and she's a model, obviously. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she's she's 19. And, and there's a lot of, you know, talk and criticism and, uh, uh, you know, moralizing and, and all the other words that we usually throw out in this sort of story uh, about DiCaprio hooking up, apparently, allegedly, reportedly... <laughs> He says, very carefully stepping back from the legal ramifications of covering this. Uh, reportedly, he may have been seeing or having sex in this 19-year-old model. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, you know, I've, I've seen loads of stuff on Twitter from people saying like, oh, this is this is disgusting. He's, he's old enough to be her father. You know, and um, I saw a bunch of other ones like saying, shit like like i i don't know what the age and the years and how this works out but it was people saying stuff like you know she was she was 9 when titanic came out you know she was fu- she was only 9 when titanic came out man it's like and there's something it's something that bothers me about this like it's you know he's old enough to be her father and she was 9 she was only 9 when titanic came like we're always talking about how bad it is to infantilize women, right? We're always like, you don't have to go too far or too deep onto Twitter or, you know, The Guardian or even The Telegraph or wherever to talk about, you know, or find people talking about the bad sides of infantilizing women, of t- treating women like they're stupid or young or clueless or damsels in distress or, you know, this is a common thing that people talk about and, and something that we need to fix and, and so on. And then conversely, or, you know, perhaps in tandem, we also see a lot of content going out, articles, blogs, people sharing stories about how bad it is to sexualize children. Right? And yet here you motherfuckers are doing both. You know? Like you're sexualizing children by going like, you know, she was nine when Titanic came out or she was still in school when wolf of wall street was released like that was the other one i saw it's like yeah she was because she's 19 and that was only a few years ago but why are you trying to wrap the schoolgirl element around this guy's current relationship like i'm not saying it's not problematic and it's not slightly concerning and a, a bit weird but i think it's equally weird when people come out with like she was only nine when Titanic. Like, it's just, you know, you're infantilizing a grown woman. Now, if you want to have a conversation about 
whether a woman is grown or whether, you know, our frontal lobes are fully developed and we have a full understanding of repercussions and decision making and risk, like when we're still only 19, that's fine. We can have a conversation about that. But that is not this conversation, is it? What we're doing in this conversation is saying, look at this 48-year-old motherfucker. He's having sex with a 19-year-old. <laughs> Reportedly. And that is the concern. That's the conversation. And now we're, we're saying, like, she was only nine when Titanic came out. You're, you're trying to inject the image of a young, innocent schoolgirl into the minds of readers or listeners when talking about or when in the context of Leonardo DiCaprio forming a relationship with her, right? And there's something, like, is it just me or is that, I think that's concerning also. So that's the infantilizing women side of it. And the sexualizing children side of it. Then there's a sort of celebrity layer to this, isn't there? A sort of pop culture you know, what will society tolerate for, for good art? What will we actually put up with for the sake of good art, guys? That is a big question. <laughs> like, DiCaprio's done some amazing movies. I loved Wolf of Wall Street. I thought it was excellent. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Incredible. Basketball Diaries? Incredible. He's, like, The Beach back in the day? Incredible. He's rarely put a foot wrong. What was the one he did with Jack Nicholson? I think it was about Boston, like crooked cops and stuff. Again, incredible. He's done some incredible movies. I think I've nailed that point. So what will we put up with to continue consuming such high caliber cinema is a big question. Because Michael Jackson gave us thriller, bad and dangerous, right? Three, dare I say, incredible albums. By the end of this show, incredible is going to become like a synonym for like, raging nonceburgers. People are going to be like, like next time I meet somebody that's sort of high profile that has any sort of question mark above their heads, they're going to be like, oh, so have you seen my work? I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's incredible. <laughs> like there's just, there'll be some like undercurrent stealth shade to it. It's going to become a byword for nonceburgers. Anyway. Jackson gave us Thriller, Bad, and Dangerous. Three amazing albums that changed the landscape of popular music forever, right? Cheers. And I hate to say it, but we as a society accepted that, right? We accepted that in order to receive such greatness, such incredible <laughs> music that we should... We, uh, the deal was we would look the other way when he fucked kids. Literal kids, not infantilized adults, literal children. And yet still, every Halloween now, you know, Radio 2 will whip out Thriller for a goof, you know? You'll hear the begin like the, the door crack beginning of it. And then, you know, Vince Price comes in and... Ghouls from every tomb will blah, blah, blah to seal your doom. And, you know, all that stuff. And people are like, ah, was Michael Jackson there with Thriller back from 1983? Coming up after the break, we've got Bon Jovi. Don't go anywhere. You know, it's just people wouldn't even bat an eyelid. They'll be like, yeah, cool. OK, Michael Jackson. Didn't he didn't he do hugely concerning things with children? Yeah, but it's, you know, the music's great. You know, And then, do you know what? I'm going to hold my hands up and say, I, look, I'm guilty of that, too. And I'm I'm. Be guessing you dear listeners are also like it's he was so big and so talented and sold so many records and did so many like big concerts that actually the bad shit has sort of faded into the background you know like i said it's a big question it's like what are we willing to tolerate in exchange for good art or incredible <laughs> art because that was honestly that was the faustian pact between western society and michael jackson like give us amazing music and okay you could yeah you just go and do do what you do like don't go crazy you know don't do don't don't have your way with a whole shit ton of them and then do a international world exclusive bragging but oh fucking hell you have done that you did oh you fucked it okay all right 
But like, here's the thing. Sony still put out his albums after that. And millions of people watched his concerts and shit and paid, you know, $100 each for tickets. And Anyway, I guess, look, my point is, if we look the other way for Jacko, because he made a couple of good albums, can we at least agree that if Leo saves the planet, he should be able to bang a legally grown woman? Like, can we just, can we just agree on that? Like, can't the saviour of the planet get a little centrefold action? Do you think? Could he? Like, is it, is it honestly shocking that the most bankable A-list, you know, good-looking star in the world habitually has sex with young, beautiful women? Like, is that shocking, really, <laughs> to anyone? Like, it's, it's funny to me because, you know, the same centre-right Pearl clutches that I've seen on, you know, American TV this week, like who they, they bash DiCaprio for this sort of stuff. They are the same ones who get all gaudy and shit over, you know, this sort of Fox News Republican y types. And, and let me tell you, right, it's those same people. That here's, here's something. If you're listening to this, in the, in the unlikely event that I have Fox News Republicans listening to this, here is a truth that you are going to wish that I had never exposed you to, okay? If Jesus came back now as a 32-year-old man, you know, fully resurrected, with all that power and influence, comparable to an A-list movie actor who can get anything that he wants, I reckon Jesus would be fucking a 20-year-old Miss Ohio as well. <laughs> I just... That is an uncomfortable truth that the conservative right in America are yet to truly reckon with. And do you know what? Like, there's a, there's a sort of irony to this because, you know, I, look, I will say 90% of this show I'm saying firmly with my tongue in my cheek. So just don't take it too closely to heart. But I will say this. There is something to the idea that when men have like untempered access to money, resources, discretion. What is it that they do? Like, what does that tell you about the underlying psyche and desires and wants of men that when they do get those resources handed to them, like, you know, professional, you know, premiership footballers or Perhaps a more notable example might be, you know, in The Wolf of Wall Street, Leo DiCaprio's movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. What happens when the working class blue collar guys start working as investment bankers, sell all of these like junk penny stocks, right? And they get access to these. What do they go off and do? They go off and get loads of hookers in and like drugs. And it's just debaucherous, like indulgence. So I... I like I'm I'm not trying to dirty up the name of men necessarily because I think um when Lu like Lucy Lucraft was a guest on a couple of weeks ago and she was saying you know we all know men and we all love the men that we know you know we've all got a brother who we love and we've got husbands and we've got you know nephews and individually we love them they're all great people blah 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 it's just in the conglomerate for want of a better word of quote-unquote men that we get the problems and i think there's some real truth in that like when you get big groups of men in an investment bank in a male-dominated environment with money just flying out of everyone's asshole what happens you get hookers drugs indulgence selfishness crime <laughs> it's the worst men are at their worst when they're all smushed together in a closed environment and you get sort of, you know, groupthink and alpha males leading the pack and people too scared to put up their hands and say, I'm not comfortable with it, right? Same with premiership footballers. What kind of trouble do they get into when they're like uh, inner desires are not tempered in the same way that society typically would do to everybody else? What happens? And there's something to that. It's like when we look at Leonardo DiCaprio forming what I assume is a, something resembling a romantic relationship with a 19-year-old woman. Is it actually that he is an A-list, multi-millionaire, handsome man 
is not being tempered. And so those inner, you know, psyche led emotions are allowed to run riot. Like, is that just the natural endpoint that will always happen when there isn't someone to your side, like a close mate just tapping you on the shoulder going, bro, what like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> when there's no fear of you being ostracized from your circle or from the tribe, being ejected from secret because you've got fucking 30 million in the back. Ah, just buy some new friends. You're not welcome in the tribe anymore, Leo. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You know, it, it, is this just naturally what happens? When men are untamed. God, that's a depressing question, isn't it? And like, I'm not saying it's good, you know, for anyone who's thinking, oh, Jesus, you know, AIDS defending DiCaprio, banging a teenager. I'm just saying. On the face of it. If she is a grown woman, a 19 year old woman, and that is her choice and that is his choice and it's a consensual relationship. You know, I'm not saying it's something I would do. And frankly, I think it was a bit weird. Like if I I'm 42, right? I've got friends who have 19 year old daughters, right? And if I was playing pool with one of them. And, you know, their 19 year old daughter walked in. Uh, it wouldn't even cross my mind like that. Like I would just assume we were like old, sad bastards to her. You know, like we were so irrelevant and, you know, what is it the kids, kids call their parents now. They call them like non, is it non-contributing player? Like after, it's like gaming terminology or something. That's the new cuss. If you've got a son or a daughter and they call you a non-contributing, NCP, I think it is. Non Mom, you're such a non-contributing player. Like you're just, you know, idle. You're just sat on the sidelines. You don't matter. You're irrelevant. Like it's quite cutting, isn't it? Um. Like, I would assume that that was us, me and my friend, you know, her dad. There would not be any inkling in my brain that I should be approaching her or the... And do you know what? If I walked in with my 19-year-old daughter and I knew a friend of mine was into, like, 19-year-old daughters, I would distance myself from that friend. I would. Because, here's the thing, I like having friends. God knows I like having friends. I'm so thirsty and desperate for friendship post-fatherhood. Fatherhood is a crippling, crushing, lonely existence versus the active social life I enjoyed in my 20s and early 30s. I like having friends, but I'll tell you what I like more. I really like having a healthy, happy daughter who's not being like weirded and creeped out by some guy like twice a rate. Like, so I'm not defending the practice of like older men, you know, chasing after 19 year olds. I do think it's a bit weird, but I also think you have to strike a balance with this shit. Like, I don't think you get to wave a, a sort of an equality, egalitarian flag and call yourself a feminist or a male feminist or, you know, a champion of equality when what you're, you know, protesting about or trying to encourage or in, instill in others is the idea that women should have a choice, right? Don't oppress women. It's her choice, her body, her choice. She should get the same opportunities as everyone else. If she decides to pursue a career in bank, like all of that stuff, you don't get to stand there and wave your flag and say it's her choice and we want to give more choices to women. And then if this 19 year old woman, remember, let's leave the infantilization and the sexualization of children to decide if this 19 year old woman makes the choice and decides along with him that consensually together they want to embark on a romantic relationship. You don't then get to walk in between them like a fucking gooseberry and go, you made the wrong choice. Get the fuck out of it. Like that is not cool. That is the opposite <laughs> of affording women choice and opportunity you have there's a there's a maturity element to this you have to accept that in a world where you are bequeathing affording women greater choices greater opportunity a wide a range of options that they could that are now open to them that they could choose from you have to accept as a grown-up that in presenting those options occasionally they may pick the wrong one <laughs> And that is their right. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there's a more articulate, delicate way of saying that. But in opening up the opportunity and choices to women, it is their right to choose wrongly. 
I think I'm going to leave it there, guys. This has actually been a lot of fun. Uh, I, was, I was, I was feeling a little bit, you know, tired and a little bit like, am I really into this today? Can I do a good show? I hope, I hope today's been uh, interesting and somewhat, you know, something resembling entertaining to all of you. Um, I'm going to say cheerio to everybody, but not before I read out the names of the Patreons who continue to support the show. Um, I suppose it's worth mentioning that when you support the show, you do get named and shamed at the end as a um, uh, as an active participant, as, a, as somebody who's furthering the goal of my cult that I'm seeking to build on Patreon. Um, so what's up? Quick shouts to Stuart, Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex, Chris and Ricardo, and then Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah and Kerry. Thanks so, so much for continuing your support. And as I said at the uh, beginning, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, a, a chunk of you, hopefully, on uh, on Friday night. Um, I suppose if anyone is still listening to this at this stage um, and, uh, and is interested about jumping onto the Patreon, you do get episodes of the podcast two days before everyone else in a special RSS feed that you can plumb into your Apple podcast player or I think to Spotify as well. Um, so you, yeah, you get it like direct, direct line into the, uh, into the episode straight off the bat. You get first look at tickets for the live shows, like the one on Friday night in Soho, which is now sold out. But had you been on the Patreon, you would have got first look at that also. Um, I'm doing live meetups. We did one in October. That was in Brick Lane. I'm going to do another one uh, also in London, I'm afraid, if anyone's listening from further afield. Um, uh, but just in, in the interest of keeping things cheap and to budget and, and everything, then um, this one will be in London also. Um, that's going to be in April. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there's a Discord vip uh private chat where uh, all of like me the patreons uh, jump in and we talk shit about tories you can be a part of that too um that's that's i think that's about it unless i've forgotten anything there's a uh, three tiers that you can choose from they start from three pounds a month which is really just enough to you know buy me a coffee a doff of the cap for you to say thanks very much aid i'm enjoying the show if you're not in a position to um to support the show though financially i fully understand that um, things are fucking crazy. I'm, do you know what? I'm remortgaging in six weeks. And yeah, I mean, I, I made a joke, made a joke on uh, Twitter this morning and then I included it in my TikTok because, you know, I mean, I'm quite creative, but I'm not that creative. I can't keep wheeling out the gold platinum tier content constantly. Um, but I made a joke this morning about how, like, you know, when I come to remortgage, it's going to be handy to know whether God is male or female or whatever, because I'm going to need to pray to God and basically bargain with him and suck him off to make it through that remortgaging process. So, yeah, it would be it'd be good to be useful to know if he has a penis, because then I can uh, I can bargain accordingly. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Fuck. So if you can't jump on the Patreon, um, all I would say is uh maybe share an episode around that would be really really great i, I super super um i am super super grateful uh, to anyone who can continue to uh, to share and spread the word about the podcast it's doing pretty well it's doing like i'm happy with where we are at the moment guys with how the binfluencer cult the people of the booge continue to grow um broke back into the top 100 of apple podcasts this week so that's quite quite exciting um, so yeah, if you, if you wouldn't mind, if you don't want to jump on the Patreon, uh, that's fine. Look, I'm not going to criticize anyone from holding back on their subscription services in this fucking economy. But, um, but what I would say is just share me around or pop a tweet, tag me in the tweet. Um, and then I'll retweet you and I'll give you a follow back. And, uh, and yeah, uh, that's it for me for this one. Um, there's no Friday night show this week because I'm doing a Friday night show in Soho. So, um, I will try to do one on Saturday or maybe Sunday. Um, but failing that, I'll be back for another solo show next Wednesday. And then my guest next week. Fuck, who is it? Let's have a quick quick look before I let you go. Um, my guest next week, next Friday, right? So not this Friday, next Friday, is Ian Dale, ladies and gents. If you don't know Ian, he is a conservative voice on LBC. But he's very measured. He's really reasonable, um, I think, to listen to anyway. And I'm really, really looking forward to, to getting his thoughts on where like modern conservatism is and whether it can get over the Brexit hump and whether he even still identifies as a conservative because they've gone through such a metamorphosis in the last six years. 
Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting one. That's a week on Friday, so don't miss that one. Uh, until next time, guys, that's it. I'm outie.